Does practice make perfect? Do countries become more resilient to disaster the more they experience them? Or does their resilience break down when disasters strike again and again? Today's guest shares insights from the Lloyd's Register Foundation's World Risk Poll. The poll asked people around the globe about their perceptions on risk and safety with the aim of understanding where strengths lie and what can be improved. My name is Annette Hertwig. Welcome to the Resilience Hub's COP27 special podcast series on Rethink Talks. My name is Sarah Cumbers and I'm the Director of Evidence and Insight at Lloyd's Register Foundation. The Foundation is a global safety and we fund programmes in education, research and innovation across the globe to make the world safer. And we've got a long held interest in resilience, uh, in the ability of individuals, of communities, countries to cope with and respond to shocks and stresses. And so one of our major programmes, the World Risk Poll, back in 2021, focused on the resilience of the individuals that the poll measured. World Risk Poll asked a series of questions about risk and safety to 125,000 people in 121 countries back in 2021. And we measured resilience in a range of different ways because resilience is a really complex concept. Uh, you can measure it with hard metrics like the income level of a country or the state of a country's critical infrastructure. But the World Risk Poll took a slightly different perspective, a very different perspective, and asked people about their perceptions and their experience of resilience. And so we asked about four different elements. We asked about uh, an individual's resilience. We asked about the resilience of their household and also their community and their society. And we found that when it comes to challenges with resilience, you can be challenged on any of those four dimensions. So as you might expect, uh, many high income countries scored quite highly from uh, certain perspectives. Uh, but we also found that low income countries, uh, to a certain extent, compensated for a lack of economic security or resilience of their critical infrastructure by showing particularly high levels of community support. So it very much depends on the individual nature of, um, of, of particular communities in terms of where their resilience strengths and the opportunities to improve resilience will really lie. So the World Risk Poll gives us data not only on the resilience of individuals and communities, uh, but also on the extent to which those individuals and communities have experienced disaster in relation to natural hazards. And there's a myth that countries which have experienced the most disasters are more resilient to the future climate change related shocks and stresses. But the World Risk Poll shows 
very clearly that that's not actually the case. So you might think that the parts of the world which have experienced the most disasters will be highly resilient due to that experience, that in a sense they're better prepared to deal with future disasters because of the experience that they've had with disaster. But the World Risk Poll shows otherwise. We've collected data where um, little or no official data on safety and risk exists at the moment and really ask people about their first-hand experience and we found that many countries and regions who've got high disaster experience are also those with low resilience. So if we look at Central or Western Africa for example, uh, people there are the most likely to say that they've experienced a disaster caused by flooding um, if, you, if you compare that globally. Uh, about two in five people or 17% of the population there. However, the Resilience Index score for this region, which puts together the four dimensions of individual, household, community and, and society resilience, is only 0.44, which is less than half of some of the most resilient areas. And it puts it right at the bottom of our resilience index as the least resilient area. I think the idea that you're more resilient if you've experienced disaster previously um, comes from our experience in life that actually if you're practiced at something then it makes perfect and you and you get more experienced and therefore you're, you're more able to cope. Uh, it's different with disaster because essentially um, the, the, the um, absorption of shock after shock after shock really starts to erode resilience at the, these, the, the, the different levels that we're measuring it within the poll. So essentially, the message here is that is that countries um, that see this coalescence of low resilience currently with high disaster experience absolutely need investment, uh, and it's it's not safe to just assume that actually because um, they've they've got experience under their belts that they should know what they're doing. There are exceptions um, to this. So there are countries where um, people have experienced disaster. Uh, and they also have high resilience scores. So you take Iceland, for example, high income country, a huge amount of experience there um, of earthquakes, seismic activity, volcanic eruptions, etc. Um, but that experience has then translated through into higher levels of resilience. But it's not just high income countries. You also look at the Philippines, for example. It's one of the uh, situated in one of the world's most hazard prone areas. Um, but interestingly, many of the countries in Southeastern Asia have high resilience scores because of the investment that that region has seen. So there's widespread uh, disaster planning among households and also this strong sense of personal agency that actually there is something that individuals can do in the event of a disaster uh, to help themselves and their families. And there's also strong confidence in, uh, in national institutions as well, strong confidence in government. So there's that social trust there as well, which is really important when it comes to resilience. So it's not the case that this is, uh, you know, that high resilience is a preserve of, of high income countries. We do have um, examples from the World Risk Poll where low middle income countries also really shine through because of the investment that's been seen in those regions. The World Risk Poll asks about wellbeing from two very different perspectives. The extent to which an individual feels that their neighbours care about their well-being and also the extent to which their government cares about their well-being. And these uh, contribute to two very different areas of the resilience index, um, the, uh, the household uh, element and also then the society element of the index. 
And shockingly, we found that 37% of people worldwide feel that their government doesn't care about them at all, which gives you an indication um, of the um, of the nadir that, that trust is at at the moment uh, in relation to individuals and the extent to which they have trust in their government. You look at community support, we see some really interesting uh, variations in the data there uh, between high and low income countries. So high income countries quite often have high levels of economic security, critical infrastructure, but through the World Risk Poll, when we ask about the extent to which neighbours care about um, the, the individuals who are questioned, we find that in high income countries, only one in five people, so 20% say that their neighbours care about them a lot. Levels of community support are much higher in, in low-income countries. 35% so over a third of individuals there in low-income countries feeling that neighbours care about them a lot. The community really is the first responder when it comes to natural hazards. And so that element of resilience is vitally important and, and gives us one example where high-income countries really can start to step up to the mark in terms of development of, of their communities to make sure that actually they're ready uh, in the face of climate-related hazards. We see a correlation between the extent to which people feel that their government cares about them and their trust in institutions, which would include the government. And that's data that's brought in through the wider Gallup World Poll. Trust in government is important because if if there's a, an erosion of trust, then essentially populations, communities, individuals are not going to follow the advice of government in an, in an emergency. Uh, and that's going to have an impact uh, on disaster response, disaster relief, and, and, and essentially is a, you know, is a really important marker of resilience. Call to action with the Lloyds Register Foundation World Risk Poll and through our Resilience Index is really to take a data-led approach to resilience, not just to make assumptions about what you think you know about the communities that you're working with, but to use our Resilience Index. We've got an interactive visualisation on our website um, to play around with the data and really understand at a granular level how resilient uh, these individuals and their communities are. Because when you have that understanding, um, you can understand where the strengths are and you can build on those strengths. You can understand where there's an opportunity to increase resilience and exactly what interventions are going to really support those particular communities based on their, their demographics and those areas of opportunity. Uh, you can also then measure change. We can follow up and repeat these questions in a couple of years' time and we can see uh, where progress has been made. Um, and at the moment, we can measure the gap. We can see um, where the where the strengths are in particularly high-income countries as opposed to low-income countries. It's not a surprise that there is a gap, but we can, we can, um, we can measure it. Uh, and that's important in understanding the size of the challenge ahead in terms of improving resilience in the communities that need it most. Thank you for listening to the Resilience Hub's COP27 podcast series on Rethink Talks. This season is a collaboration between the Stockholm Resilience Centre and the Resilience Hub. We will release new podcast episodes throughout COP27, and we invite you to listen to additional episodes and previous seasons on rethink.earth.